This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Consultations for floating bus stops in the North Shore of Vancouver took place last fall. Community reporter Amy Amanti talked about this previously and has an update. Take good morning, Amy. Good morning, Dave. So, Amy, what's the latest? Well, uh, the uh, continuing bus stop, uh, floating bus stop conversation uh, goes forward. And, you know, to be all transparent, you know, we in the community here know that uh, the consultation is not about yes or no to floating bus stops. It's about floating bus stops are here to stay. Let's figure out how we do them uh, so that so that the blind community is happy with them, um, which I think is a thing that is not going to be like we'll never be perfectly happy with them. Yeah. We all know this. Yeah, right? it's it's like, it's like scooters on the sidewalk. We're never going to like it. Absolutely. Um, I still see those uh, green bikes and scooters abandoned in the middle of everywhere, um, even though they told us that wasn't going to happen when uh, (laughs) consulted with those. Um, But alas, they do. So uh, floating bus stops now, uh, the next stage of this is looking at having these tactile maps that would identify where things are laid out at the bus stop itself. So, you know, now we've got um, Twizzies, tactile walking surface indicators that um, lead you from, you know, poles to the bus stop or stop you from going into the road, or you have the um, truncated dome ones, you know, the hazard one that stops you from going into the road, but then there's one on one side of the bike lane and then the other, which I find confusing because when I come to those, I think it's a road and I don't expect it to be a bike lane. I expect it to be a road, right? So there's going to be learning curves there. Um, And then you get to the other side and you're like, wait a second, I just did I cross a road or a bike lane? Like whatever. So these tactile maps are supposed to help you so you use your fingers they'll be high contrast um and uh so then you can sort of feel with your fingers okay this is the twizzy will lead me up to this part this is okay this is a a hazard i cross it oh it's a bike lane i'm crossing okay then there's another one okay then there's the road that i'm crossing oh and it's the same on the other side right this is where the aps is the um the speaking you know the audible announcement this is where the the bus stop is and these are where everything is in location because some of these floating bus stops will be rather complicated and rather confusing um none of them are just you know cross the street and there you are there's some of them that are very confusing with like corners that are uh, some of them have uh, there aren't just you know north south east west crossings they're uh, what we call sort of tri crossings where they go into it's just complicated so this is the idea is they're going to gather some of us together to look at these tactile maps to see if they make any sense Amy, when it comes to the tactile map, mm-hmm. I, I imagine even just where it's placed really matters, right? That even if we agree or disagree whether or not it's a useful solution or at the very least a viable mitigation, <laughs> sometimes that's the word we use. Is this a viable mitigation of me yeah. risking my life trying to take the bus by crossing the street to get to a bus stop in the middle of the street? I imagine the, the placement would need to be so 
so clear and and in, and and in a spot that gives you some sense of orientation because because although the concept sounds great maybe in a vacuum in practice i could see this being not helpful at all oh absolutely i mean they're going to be so easy to miss if you don't know that it's there I mean, this is so this reminds me of, of when they put in the audible pedestrian signals and uh, they told folks like in the pilot projects that if you press the button, it would activate the signal. But if you press and held the button just a little bit, it would give you like an extra two seconds to cross the street. Well, who the heck knew that? Right? Like uh, nobody knew if you press and held it and you used a walker, you'd get a little extra time. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a, there's a public education piece that has to come with this stuff. And how do you get that information out is also a thing, right? So do you have to work with public organizations, uh, the news, uh, who's gonna uh, write these public service announcements, who's gonna pay for those? Yeah. Do we work with organizations like the CNIB to take groups of blind people out to show them? Will they be at every crossing? Because now you've got, you know, like I said earlier, we've got 44 municipalities that cover the greater Vancouver area. Yes, yes. So if North Van does it, will North Van City do it? Will West Van do it? Will Vancouver do it? Will Burnaby do it, right? So I could be in one municipality and not in another and you know, uh, will I experience it in the same area to know to look for it? Look at Amy excluding New Westminster like that. They're going to be so angry with you in New Westminster oh. for not including them. Uh, Amy, <laughs> in, in a different life, I yeah. would have loved to have been a city planner. I, I think that if, I know, I'd, right? if, if I'd had more direction when I was in my teenage years, I really would have considered that as a career option. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. too late now. I'm too old. I can't go back to school. I, I, they'll just mock me and laugh at me all the time. But I, but I do extend empathy and understanding to city planners yeah. who are trying to figure out how to make public transit better. But this yeah. came up with uh, David Lepofsky of the AODA Alliance. Mm -hmm. He identified a couple new uh, sidewalks and bike paths and crossing areas in North York, in the North York neighborhood or the northern neighborhoods of Toronto, and says mm -hmm. it made no sense because it was so different. Even though probably objectively, the design is better, even for people with disabilities. But the problem is when you start moving away from standardization, that's when you really start messing around with people's orientation and mobility. So even, so even if you consult to the high heavens, if you start breaking standardization and habits that have been built for decades for a person with a disability, it's still going to feel jarring and awful. Oh, there's no doubt about that. Like I think about, um, you know, if we created a tactile walking surface indicator with a third pattern, right? Right now we've got uh, truncated domes and truncated bars. They mean two different things. Um, now let's say we added in, I don't know, truncated triangles or chevrons or something, right? Um, and said, okay, this is gonna meet a third thing. Well, that's great. Um, again, who the heck knows about that? So, you know, you can, again, come up with all the greatest ideas that you want. And in, with some of the city planners that I've worked with, again, they have the best of intentions and they say to me, oh, so we've designed this courtyard and we've used um, a different sort of pebbled aggregate on uh, this part of the sidewalk to indicate to cane users that it's a different pattern, a different texture on the ground. Will that work? to keep you away from the fountain? No, because I don't know why you've used a different texture. Like, yeah, you used a different texture, but it means nothing to me. I just recognize it's a different texture, right? Mm. So, you know, these are the things that, that need to be educated 
um, and, and shared with planners because they, again, have the best of intentions. They install these things oftentimes without talking to community um, and think that they're, they've done the greatest thing, but it means nothing, yeah. right? Um, and that, that's a big risk, right? So, um, you know, th this is the thing why we, we take, sometimes we take two steps forward and then we take a step back because you can do a lot of consultation again, like this isn't a bus stop thing, but we did a great consultation around a rec center. And I proposed, like I, I used to go to the pool all the time. And I said, you know, if we had tactile uh, walking surface indicators on the pool deck, uh, a wayfinding one where I could follow that to the entrance of the pool onto a wall where I could hang my cane, I could navigate the pool deck independently. And that would be awesome. So I gave them all of the information on the proper proper tactile paper to use, et cetera, et cetera. Then when we showed up, when the pool was open, they had actually used a tile that they found from a tile shop that was something similar and a different texture. And I was like, this is not a tactile walking surface indicator. Like, yeah, yeah. again, you've just changed the tile and, I, and it doesn't send a message other than, oh, look, a different texture. And we just expect that there are different textures in different environments, right? They just don't send a message. <laughs> Amy, so... <laughs> Amy, before you and I get too far down this rabbit hole and start designing our own city, maybe we should try to lighten the mood here and move to the world <laughs> of performing arts. What do you think? Yeah. We can do that. But before we do, I will just tell you, Dave, a friend of mine uh, here in Vancouver, uh, shout out to Mike, who is uh, a good 10 years older than you are, uh, just finished, uh, uh, just graduated from planning school. Oh, and uh, yeah, and is going to be a planner in Kelowna, I believe. Okay. So anything is possible. <laughs> anything is Well, you never know, you know, the, the, the sword of Damocles <laughs> hangs high over the head of any broadcasters. So you never know when it's going to fall. Uh, Amy, yeah. let's move to the world of uh, performing arts. The Push Festival is being held in January and February in the Lower Mainland. Mm -hmm. Works presented are often about challenging truths. There's going to be a presentation of Lorenzo this year, and there's going to be a Vocalize live described performance on January the 19th. What's the buzz around this performance of Lorenzo? Okay, so this is a, a one-man show, um, which I think is going to be absolutely fascinating. So the artist here is Ben uh, Target, and um, Ben is uh, telling the story of his uncle Lorenzo uh, and telling the story of what it's like to be a caregiver for um, for a loved one as they age. As as you're talking about like Alzheimer's Month and having Dr. Anderson just on mm -hmm. and talking about this, so I think there's going to be um, something in there that's talking about this. They don't give too much away. Um, uh, so it's a comedy. Um, and I think uh, what I've been told, because you get a little heads up about these things because uh, for access needs, that there's a bit of a fire performance at the end of this. Um, so I can only imagine what Uncle Lorenzo does to kind of, you know, <laughs> cause a fire to happen in the house. This is just where my brain goes. Um, but this one person performance is supposed to be pretty compelling, pretty funny. Um, and, and Ben has really been a champion, the artist himself, about accessibility. And so um, in my work with, with the Push uh, Festival and, and trying to make some of these shows more accessible, um, he said, oh, we would love to have this show described. And would you like to check out um, the prop desk that I use? So he uses this desk that's kind of like a workbench um, and kind of a little bit like something you would have seen on, I don't know, the polka dot door as a kid or Mr. Dress Up or any one of those where it's got cool little drawers and cupboards and all sorts of fun little things all over it where he constantly pulls different things out of it. And so 
we're going to get to explore this very unique piece of furniture that's been custom made um, before the show to understand how it operates so that when we when he pulls these things out to use in the show we understand um you, you know the the logistics and the operating of this piece of, mm. of furniture um, which i think will be interesting and then of course you know when you do a pre-show touch tour you got to stick around at the theater for a while because you're there an hour and a half before the show yeah um so uh so we'll have ourselves a little uh either a pizza party or sandwiches <laughs> or something we'll do a little something a amy you always find a way every time you tell me about this stuff you're like oh we always find a way to throw that little uh, added bonus that little uh, extra added value you know, I'll tell you, Dave, uh, <laughs> food gets people to come out. It does. And if the weather's like this on Friday when the show happens, <laughs> you know, um, food, free tickets. So I've arranged some free tickets for community, uh, you know, so we're doing our best to be able to support independent artists because it's also a different thing to try and get folks to come out to unique, as you said, unique shows um, instead of saying, hey, you want to come see The Sound of Music or Elf yeah. the Musical? We're yeah. names that people know, right? Um, but I will tell you that some of these shows um, in the last year that I have seen that are independent artists that are writing their own work has been some of the best theater that I have seen all year. Yeah. Um, so big shout out to some of these artists that are just like, you know what? I'm not going to wait for somebody to give me a script and, uh, you know, cast me in a role. I am going to start making my own work. Love it. Love it when people yeah. take the opportunity to control their own destiny. Yeah. As mentioned, the, the special live described performance, January the 19th, pushfestival.ca is the website. Pushfestival, oh, excuse me, tickets.pushfestival.ca, tickets.pushfestival.ca. And if you prefer the phone number, 604 449 6000, 604 four four nine six thousand okay amy speaking of one person shows speaking of people platforming themselves a little bit of self-promotion here on the way out for you did i get to segue that okay <laughs> so i know i'm an artist i get to do this i know i've talked about this before but i am a week away now from my own solo show um because i too am not waiting around for people to hand me scripts although i did do an audition yesterday for Grey's Anatomy. Ooh, Ooh, you never oh, know. heck yeah. Um, here we go. So, um, McAmey, yeah, Dr. McAmey. You could, you never know. Um, <laughs> so I am doing my solo show through my lens on my intersection of blindness and photography. And that is going to be at a festival called the Hold On Let Go Festival. And what's interesting about that festival here in Vancouver, it runs at the same time as the Push Festival. Both of these festivals are what they call uh, international festivals. And they are, are um presenter festival so any i mean anybody can go but they are made for presenters that are coming from all over the world to to see the work um and then if they like the work they might say hey you want to come to argentina because we do a festival or hey you want to come to peru we have a festival so presenters come from all over the all over the work to all over the world to see the the, the works um uh because you know you're trying to sell what you're doing um, so it's a good opportunity for me um, to share this work um, and we've sort of uh, uh, changed it a little bit since I just did it in Kingston in June and then just a week after we do it here in Vancouver we are off to Ottawa to do it at their undercurrents festival um, in uh, I think it's February 7th we start there so um, but I will tell you Dave because you asked the question last week oh earlier this week about minus 50 and how long I could survive in minus <laughs> 50 
I am terrified of being in Ottawa in early February. Uh, don't scared. worry, D- don't, Amy, don't worry. Don't worry about minus 50, but you might have to prepare yourself for like minus 20-ish. I mean, I don't know that I could survive two minutes in minus 20. It's, <laughs> you know, it's snowing here and I think it's like minus one and I'm like, I'm staying <laughs> today <laughs> uh you know the, the the nice thing is there's lots of places for a warm cocoa in ottawa that you'll you'll be all right okay amy i'm going to give a couple dates here and a couple websites just so everybody's on the Wonderful. same page on the way out the door january 25th and 27th for the shows in vancouver hold on let go.ca is the website for that one and then like amy said as part of the undercurrents festival in my old hometown of ottawa ontario february 7th to the 10th undercurrentsfestival.ca, undercurrentsfestival.ca. Amy, congratulations on the continued success. I imagine I will touch base with you before you hit the road. So all the best for a couple days here. Thanks, Dave. We'll catch up with you next week. That's Amy Amanti, community reporter in Vancouver. In 60 seconds, there are a whole bunch of music tours making their way across Canada this summer. Laura Bain will talk about a few of them in her entertainment report. But first, car companies are thinking up ways to make vehicles more customizable. Here's Mike Dubusky. From ABC News Tech Trends, Kia is looking to expand into the commercial vehicle space. To the world of Kia PBVs. Kia is showing off a new electric vehicle platform called the PBV, or the Platform Beyond Vehicle. Mark Vaughn with Auto Week says it's designed to be modular, meaning you can change the vehicle's body style based on your needs. You have a pickup truck, but then you want to make it into a cargo van. You just drop this cargo van on it, and it electromechanically bonds with the vehicle. Other automakers have toyed with modular vehicles, but Vaughn says it's proven challenging. Just for any number of reasons, the cost, the complexity, the fact that once you try and change around body parts like that, they might leak water, they might leak air, they might squeak. Still, Kia says they plan to start selling PBVs in 2025 for about $35,000. That is what you call ambitious. If they think they can make that work, I say (laughs) more power to them. With Tech Trends, I'm Mike Dubusky. ABC News. Thank you very much, Mike. Don't forget, in about 25 minutes, a game of useful or useless will be brought to the table utilizing a few tech innovations from CES in Las Vegas. Let's go back to the world of entertainment. Bring in Laura Bain here. Laura, a couple of major music acts are going on tour this summer. You've got the list, and then I'm going to power rank it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Got some tours here to tell you about, and then I'll get you to tell me what you're going to spend your hard-earned dollars on, Dave, for a ticket. In some cases, more than others. Uh, Spoiler alert, I've already put down money for one of these. (laughs) Okay, Uh, so some 41, starting off there, uh, they announced yesterday that they're heading out on what they say will be their final tour. Now, I love the name of this. It's called the Tour of the Setting Sum. Pretty good. And uh, that's uh, ending up at the, you know, 76 dates around the world, massive tour. They're finishing it off in Toronto, which is kind of nice. It's their hometown. Uh, that's going to be next January. And just want to highlight for folks that those tickets are going on sale this Friday. Very good. All right. Moving on, we've got Blink 82. One more time. Bl- tour. Blink, Blink 182. Okay. That, that's number one. <laughs> um, that, sorry. 
No, yeah, I just want to make sure you got it right. Blink 182. Blink 182. Yeah, yeah, that's what I said. Yep, Blink 182. All, all, I, heard uh, was, all one... I heard was 82. Could be my new year piece. Oh, yeah, Blink 182, One More Time Tour. Uh, that's the name of their reunion album, and they will be hitting Toronto on August 15th. Uh, we've got the Rolling Stones heading out on their Hackney Diamonds tour, an album that you and I have talked about. That's just got one Canadian date. They're heading to Vancouver for July 5th. You can still get tickets for that, uh, but they will cost you, I'll tell you that. Uh, Sarah McLaughlin fumbling towards ecstasy 30 year anniversary tour that is coming to Toronto and Quebec in June. Tate McRae think later tour now she's going out on a massive 2024 tour and she's got a stop in Toronto in July and she's also headlining a show at the Calgary Stampede and I think that's her that's her hometown there uh queens of the stone age now i wanted to bring out some that uh for folks on the east coast because so far everything's been in central and western canada so the next two shows are coming out east queens of the stone age you can still get tickets moncton and halifax in april and also the band sticks in may coming to halifax to Moncton and to Summerside. Now that cost uh, that caught my attention because very few bands come to Summerside, so that's kind of cool. So, Dave, how would you? Uh, you've heard the list now. How are you going to power rank these? <laughs> so, I'll tell you, the number one on my list is not on your list. So, let's go in reverse order here. The bottom of my list is Sticks. I've never really cared mm-hmm. for Sticks, and I don't really feel like going to see an old nostalgia band. Right above sticks is going to be the Rolling Stones. I I just think at this point, they're too old. They're not the band that I would have seen even 20 years ago, let alone when I really would have wanted to see them about 40 years ago, if not uh, even longer than that. So we're going to put the Stones and sticks way at the bottom. I'm not familiar with Tate McRae, so unfortunately Tate McRae finds themselves uh, low on this list. Then I'll bring in Queens of the Stone Age, a band that I really liked for a stretch, but haven't really done anything recently that like moves the needle for me. I'll follow that with Blink-182 because I saw them last year in Toronto and was actually a little disappointed by the show. It was fine, but I was a little disappointed. My expectations were too high, so I'm not going to spend money on on them again. Uh, Then I'll put Sarah McLaughlin because uh, Sarah McLaughlin is really having a moment here. I've been listening to a lot of Sarah recently and I'm just blown away by how great she was as a singer and a songwriter so Sarah McLaughlin I'd actually love to go see for the first time ever then I'll put some 41 because I'm a pop punk soul at heart I love me a long sleeve t-shirt underneath a short sleeve t-shirt and then number one going off your list already bought tickets for this show the death cab for cutie and postal service 20 year anniversary tour in Toronto I am beyond excited I saw death cab last summer they were unbelievably amazing at Massey Hall and they can just take all my money I'll just keep going to see them I've seen them about four or five times now Every time I see them, they're so they're they're better than the last time that I saw them. They can have all my money, all my money. Uh, Laura, what's your reaction to my list? 
Uh, well, I've got my list here, Dave, and I think there's some similarities and some differences. I'm going to start with the top here. Sarah McLaughlin, for me, Fumbling Towards Ecstasy. I just loved that album. That was kind of her breakout album. That's going to be my number one. And then the Rolling Stones, because I just think, uh, you know, if you get a chance to see them in your life, they're like one of the greatest rock bands we've had of the century. I would take that opportunity. Uh, Queens of the Stone Age. You know, from the list, I think they're a very solid band. I never really got into them, but I think I'm going to get a quality show there. Styx is going to be up next, and I think it's just because we're getting into a lot of shows I don't want to see. Okay. <laughs> uh, next, next would be <laughs> next would be Tate McRae. Um, you know, and and I actually I like Tate McRae all right, so that one might go a little higher. I'm not sure. I think she's pretty good. I may be a little old for her show, but uh, at the bottom of the list we have some 41, and in very last place, Blink One. Oh. Oh dear. oh, dear. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Dave. Um, I feel like, uh, you know, 40 year old Laura is extremely diplomatic and polite. So I'm going to channel 17 year old Laura, who was like listening to this music when it came out. And she's going to tell you that she thinks they're uh, wimpy poser punk bands. So. <laughs> 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 uh, I kind of felt that way at that time. I've softened now, you know, but I they were just never my jam. Well, that last punch is going to give somebody a fat lip. Laura, thank you for this. Have a great day. Thanks, Dave. You too. That is Laura Bain, maybe in too deep when it comes to summer concert tours going across Canada. <laughs> Coming up after the break, John Lepke stops by. It's all about the sports chat, all about the Professional Women's Hockey League. Big game last night. Montreal beat New York. And there's some big implications around the broader purpose of the league. So John and I will jump right into that. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts. <laughs> 